everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. Game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked. Your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee, and we have Teddy G. I'm very upset right now. I want to cry. Paige, um, (sighs) you just mentioned why you're so upset, and I understand it. Share it with the audience, would you? So I went to Twitter, as everyone does, and I was going to give Phil a big congratulations again upon reflection of his amazing win. And I went to tag Phil, and his username was unavailable. So that means one thing. I have been blocked by the 2021 PGA champion, (laughs) and I don't know why. I'm very sad about it. Um... I don't know how to react right now. I'm shaken up. I, I it's the first time I've ever been blocked by like a big celebrity. I've never I've never been blocked by someone that I didn't feel like I deserved it. I have been blocked by people that I definitely have deserved it before, but I don't feel like this one is a deserving one. Phil is the man of the people. He is Mr. Thumbs Up. How could he be throwing shade on you like this? I, I mean, look. We know you're in a Bryson song, so Bryson or his people know that you're a bit of a Bryson hater, and and there are other guys. You know, I was watching Patrick Cantlay this weekend, and I was rooting against him because whenever I've picked him and bet on him, he loses. So I was like, oh, great. He's going to backdoor a top five or top ten this week. So I have certain guys, but this one, um, I don't get. What do you suspect? I'm not quite sure. It could have. I went back through all of my tweets especially yesterday during the PGA, it could have potentially been the one where I said, you know, Phil could shoot a 65 or an 80. You're just not sure. Maybe he took that as a diss. 
Or maybe that I said that he needs at least a five-shot lead going into 18. That one also could, <laughs> you know, hit a little hard. That's funny. But I thought it was funny. And, you know, even when it comes to Bryson, Bryson's probably the one person that I feel should definitely dislike me and or block <laughs> me. Um, but I also, when I talk about everyone, I feel that I'm trying to give an opinion. I feel like when you look at, you know, especially sports media, so many announcers and writers are so scared to be critical of players. I clearly see why now. I know why now. <laughs> but I've always really tried to be, you know, to give an opinion, especially when a lot of people are also, you know, random fans of the game are also giving this opinion. And even when I talk about Bryson, sometimes I have been a little harsh, but I've also given him a lot of praise too. It's not just one side where I'm constantly always hating on him. When he does something well, I'm never afraid to give him, you know, a good job, pat on the back. That's awesome. And especially lately, I've been very nice towards Bryson. But when it comes to Phil, I don't feel like I've ever, I think maybe the only thing I've ever said, he's a little bit old. He is. I mean, he's a little bit older. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's a fact. (laughs) Not a nice one, but it's a fact. And that I wanted him to retire, but I said that jokingly <laughs> because I selfishly want to see him in the booth. And I feel like I have always explained that very clearly. Yes. I'm not saying, you know, he's never going to, I did. I actually did say, I don't think he's ever going to win again, but in my defense, <laughs> you look at the stats and they weren't that. Okay. I see why I blocked. I, I can potentially <laughs> see why I was blocked. Um, but I selfishly said, I want him to retire because it, yeah. you know, he wasn't contending at the level that he used to be. And I would love to see him in the booth. And I think that would be great for golf. It was never because of anything that Phil was doing wrong. It's because he is so great as a golf personality, which I felt like his career was starting to morph into. When you look at Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship, I don't think anyone suspected that. Anyone thought of that. And I don't think it was you know unfair or unkind of me to say that I, I potentially could see him not winning ever again. And it's a great thing that he did win and that was it. So yeah, this is a bit surprising. I'm sad about it and I don't really know how to react, but it's made me rethink all of my life choices, everything that I've ever said on the podcast, all of the tweets that I've put out. So I'm sorry, Phil Mickelson, if you were listening to this, um, which you are definitely not going to be, but if anyone (laughs) who knows him can send this his way, I'm very sorry if I ever offended you or hurt you in any way. And also on that tune, I'm sorry, Bryson, if I've ever offended you or hurt you. Oh, God, sorries. Come on, Paige. (laughs) They're celebrities. They can take a little bit of a hit. Let's go. I mean, it's not like you Athletes are a bit of babies, and it's just, I think I'm a little bit shooketh right now. because (laughs) This pod vibe is off to a bad start. No, but also, you know, during the week I had a tweet about LeBron James, which I thought was very funny, and people were jumping on me as being a hater. There was a big article written about it, how I was brutally honest about LeBron James, and I'm honestly just very sick of seeing that all the time, where I can't even make a funny joke about someone anymore. I am not a LeBron hater. I have never once said that I hate LeBron, but if you look at LeBron's antics on the court, he likes to... He plays it up a little bit, you know, and so would I. If you're trying to win a game, you're going to do everything you want to do. But he he acts a little bit on the on the court, which is fine. And I made a joke about it. And then it turns into this whole thing about how I, I'm brutally honest about LeBron James and I hate LeBron James. And I'm like, <sighs> I just said 
Space Jam 2 is going to be good because yep. he's a superb actor. Yes. How is that me hating LeBron James? And so it's just very frustrating when I do say something with either like a sarcastic tone or where it's meant to be funny and it is twisted into being something. And even the things that I have said about Bryson, the good things are never put in those articles. And it's always like Paige has the harsh truth about Bryson. It's like, <laughs> come on, guys, seriously? And that's frustrating. Over time, that is it is frustrating. And it makes me feel like, okay, is this detrimental to my career being honest or giving my no, opinion because no. of the way things are twisted and then having, you know, the biggest sports heroes in the game block you. It's like, is it worth it anymore? It is as uh, you know, now I'm not talking to you as a, a co-host. I'm talking to you as a follower of Paige who enjoys your content. That was a great tweet about Space Jam 2 plus <laughs> Had that double, you know, the so the double entendre, the, the different way where you could plug, you know, your favorite movie. Because you probably want to be a part of Space Jam 3. You want to get into this series. So that was very clever of you to express your love for, for Space Jam. And no, I mean, at a certain level, like, if people have a problem with these tweets, it's on them. Fucking grow up. I, I mean, you're allowed to express your opinion. That was a funny one about LeBron. He is. I love LeBron, but that doesn't mean he's perfect. That doesn't mean... All of his stuff has been great. I mean, he had a tweet, you know, four or six weeks ago related to the police I won't get into that I, I thought was awful. And on the court, he is a total actor in prima donna. That said, like 98% of LeBron is awesome. And he's creating schools and he's an amazing player and he wins championships everywhere he goes. So we are allowed to have some light criticism and to mock these celebrities. But the Phil thing is surprising. Are you sure you didn't at one point have an Instagram post where you like drank his coffee and spit it out and said like, this is the worst shit I've ever tasted? No, I've literally have always been so nice to Phil and always very um, supportive of his career and everything that he's doing. I think he's truly so great for the game and we are lucky to have him. As yes. someone of his stature to be able to connect with people on such a personal level through his social media and all of the fun activations he does through, you know, the matches and always trying to be creative with new ideas to bring golf to more people. I have never... I once said anything that I think he could have taken in a negative way. And so that is why that one is surprising. But, you know, regarding your commentary, I do think that if I'm going to sit here and, you know, tell these guys, hey, have a good sense of humor. I'm joking around that I also can't be hypocritical about it if someone comes at me yes. for something that I do, which is something I definitely still need to work on. You know, for example, the Rick Shields beef drama that was yeah. happening. Um, I did get upset about that, but that wasn't really solely based on anything that Rick Shields did. It was based on years of like past trauma of people who I thought were my friends backstabbing me in a right. professional way. And that is where all of that anger came out. Rick Shields, um, on his podcast, he ended up apologizing and he apologized to me personally after I reached out to him personally. So Rick, I want to thank you so much uh, for doing that. It really meant a lot to me, but you know, it's, it's, it's a hard balance of, taking it and wanting to stick up for yourself. And yeah. I'm still struggling with that where like when someone comes at me or if they're critical of something that I do, is it time for me to defend myself and stand up for myself? 
Or does that come off as me being like a whiny little bitch? So it's hard. That's what's so hard. And I think I'm still trying to find that balance in my content in my personal life because I don't want to seem like I am attacking, you know, these guys or I'm always coming at Bryson, but I, I can't take any um, hate towards myself, which yes. I don't think is true. But in the beginning of my career, I stood there and I did nothing. I never said anything. I never stood up for myself. And I regret that. And so now I mm. think I maybe I've taken it almost too far where I get, you know, a little too worked up at times. I can still voice my opinion without being as, you know, emotional as, you know, people like to say. But I am an emotional person. I talk with a lot of passion. And when I get a little worked up, you know, I go from zero to 100. That's just <laughs> who I am. But again, it's just it's finding that balance, which I have not found yet. But I do understand that if I'm going to be critical of other people that I need to also take criticism, but when is it too much or, you know, it, it's hard. It's just really hard to be like in this position and like handle all of it correctly all the time and knowing what to say and what not to say and sure. what to say to, you know, be entertaining, but to not piss off the people who matter. And I, it's a real hard balance. And that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about right now, just with like Phil blocking me. Yeah. It's like, what do I do? <laughs> how do I how do I proceed in life when you see, you know, especially when I see my male counterparts in media, especially golf media, who are more outspoken than I am and have actually said things against Phil in a negative way that, you know, I I would not take well. Yeah, I see Phil interacting with their content, but he blocks me. So that's also where it's a bit confusing for me. It's like, why is that fair where a guy can be outsmoke outspoken and and it's it's seen as funny or entertaining. But when I say it, I'm just being like a spiteful bitch. I have a fairly direct line into Phil straight through his PR guy. <laughs> Do you want me to look into this page? How are we going to handle this? <sighs> we'll just let it breathe for a second and uh, see what happens. And hopefully um, if I keep kissing ass enough that he'll unblock me at some oh. point. <laughs> This is sad. No, it, it's a tough thing with haters. Like in my in my last life, I was a college football writer, um, writing about Big Ten and Notre Dame. And you, as a big college football fan, know the passions involved. Or we're talking yeah. about Pitt or Notre Dame or other schools, so you can imagine um, how fans get. I was very critical at times of Jim Harbaugh. So I had Michigan fans all over me uh, because I went to Northwestern, and there's kind of a Northwestern Illinois rivalry. A lot of U of I fans are all over me. Um, Notre Dame fans couldn't figure out if I loved them or hated them. Of course, <laughs> I tried to explain. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I just want the good stories or <laughs> I want I, I want to go to a nice warm weather bowl game. So if they yeah. need a win to get to the Fiesta Bowl, go ahead and win. That's really how I look at this stuff. You know, fans, they don't understand that like we're rooting for better stories. We're rooting for people we're, we like. We're rooting for good bowl destinations. Like we're not so... Um, you know, we're, we're not chanting the fight song in the press box. We are deadly quiet in the press box. We often don't care who wins unless it helps us. So, yeah, I mean, I would always go through that on Twitter. Do you block the guy? Do you mute the guy? Do you respond with a joke? Do you respond with some hate? Um, I had some jackass former Chicago sports writer take a shot at me last week in a column. And I'm, of course, not going to respond because he's just so desperate for attention that's the last thing I'm going to give him. So, you know, the Phil thing though is confounding. It, it would bother me a little bit. 
And um, I think once you're ready, I think we need to uh, look into this and find out what happened. Yeah, I just want to make amends at this point. You didn't do anything wrong. I know, but maybe I did. And it was just, you know, misconstrued in a negative way, which was never my intention. I think that's something that's also very difficult for me is because I have a very kind heart. And I feel like, you know, I am very sensitive and I'm always thinking of like other people and their feelings and you know, I never want to hurt anyone, but I also have to balance that with being an outspoken media personality. Yes. And it, it's just so difficult all the time because I do want to be funny. And I, at times I do want to be edgy because I don't think a lot of that is in golf. And it would be so boring for everyone listening to this podcast if I was like, I love Bryson. I love Tiger. I love Phil. I love, you know, and it's like you, if you never say anything bad about anyone, then it, that's, that's boring and it's untruthful as well. And even, you know, I, uh, it's just, it's just really hard. It's hard, Teddy. I'm having a hard morning. I'm sad. I just want to crawl up in a ball and cry. Phil just ruined my day. Ah. It's very rough. <laughs> ah. We need to launch an investigation. I believe he, in the end, will be the one apologizing. Not you, Paige. You've done nothing wrong. Um, so is the Rick Shields thing put to bed? I listen to them. Those guys are, I feel like those guys are pretty entertaining. They're reasonable. They have lovely accents. I didn't quite catch the what they were saying at the end about the influencers. Maybe they were saying there's some, there are some folks, I believe they said, who are not really a fan of the game of golf. Maybe they just look pretty and put themselves in, in look put themselves in golf outfits uh for the sake of getting followers but clearly they were not putting you in that camp no and um Rick and I had like a private discussion too which was very nice and I think I'm going to potentially go on his podcast I would love to have him on my podcast as well I think the producer his name is guy doesn't very he doesn't like me very much and you can tell he doesn't mm. um but no Rick was great he was awesome I think what he was mentioning about the influencers and this is something I have discussed on the podcast before is once this like hot girl Instagram golf girl phase thing happened you saw a lot of models picking up the game and they did that to get followers or money or new deals and i think a lot of people do have an issue with that and i also have a bit of an issue with it because people blame me for it as if like i started this trend (laughs) and i'm bad for golf because of that because i'm getting people into the game for not the right reasons but i think anyone who's coming into the game if these girls are picking up the game of golf that's one more girl who's playing golf that's awesome we need that whatever if they'd start it for the wrong reasons they end up enjoying it who cares there's more people playing golf but if you look at And I think this is what my problem was with the question that they asked Sophie was if I'm good for golf. Right. Anything is good for golf. Bryson's great for golf. I'm great for golf. Rick Shields is great for golf. Everyone who has an impact on the game, negative or positive, is good for golf because that means more eyes on the sport, more entertainment. I think they should have asked the question, does showing skin... And being like using your image as a woman, does that give the wrong impression to young girls? I think that would have been a more valid and interesting discussion and something that 
I also struggle with internally if, you know, I am a good role model for certain reasons. And if I am being, if I'm hurting women by self-image, right. or, you know, that is a very interesting discussion. And that's where I wish they went with it instead of just saying, am I good or bad for golf? Yes, I'm right. clearly good for golf. We've just moved. <laughs> We've discussed that. It's fine. Let's move on. But I do think that is, you know, a larger discussion, which we can definitely have on the podcast at some point. But I do also struggle with that. I'm just struggling with a lot of things internally. You're struggling. Today. <laughs> I should get you on the golf course today because you would probably start with a quad, then a triple, <laughs> then whatever five over par is. And I would I would totally dust you. No. So I actually, <laughs> I played golf last night because I was inspired by the full win. And anytime I see, you know, something cool like that, it, it makes me want to go out on the golf course. Yeah. And so I did a three club challenge. So I just played nine holes with my driver, seven iron and my putter. And I shot even par. God, seriously? Yeah. Any, any greenside bunkers? I was in a greenside bunker on number nine, but it was luckily a par five. So I was there in two. I went driver, driver, seven iron out of the bunker, and then two putted for my par. Uh, But yeah, that was fun. So I almost play better when I have like a lot of anxiety or things on my head because I don't think about my game. When I think about my game, that's when everything, you know, goes to shit. But if I'm like focused on everything else, then I don't even think about my swing. I think when you play me, it's going to be the one club challenge. You (laughs) get one club and I get 14 clubs. And then I think it becomes a fair fight. (laughs) I do the one club. So just me and my putter the entire round. (laughs) I'll let you have a three wood. Okay. Three, three is good. Three wood makes a little more sense. Um, You know, probably hard to drive it. I don't know. You've probably tried to drive it with a putter. Can can you hit it 150 yards? I have never because I don't want to damage my putter in any way. I love my mm. swag putter and that thing is yeah. beautiful. I don't want any dings and, or anything on it. But I was doing a fun contest with a long drive guy and he outdrove me with his putter. Yeah. And it, he just like bladed it and it <laughs> rolled forever. And I was like, yep, I'm putting <laughs> golf forever. Uh, yeah, all those uh, all those tour pros, I think, can do that. They can get on their knees. They can probably hit it backwards, blindfolded, lefty, every way. They, yeah. can, they can certainly dust me, and some of them could dust you. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break before we get into the Phil Mickelson PGA Championship mega win. But before we do take that break, I'm going to go on my apology tour. Phil, I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. Bryson, if I've ever hurt your feelings, I'm so sorry. To anyone I have ever offended, I am sorry. I'm trying to be a better person, a better version of me. I swear. Rick Shields, I'm sorry. I'm glad we made amends. (laughs) I will see you guys soon as I take a quick breather. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh 
refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all. Even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney. Make everybody count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. And we are back. We're going to talk about the PGA Championship, which I would say was one of the most enjoyable majors I have watched in the longest time. Apart from the 2019 Tiger Woods Masters win, this tournament was incredible from start to finish. And that final round had my heart beating like crazy. I had anxiety watching these guys. I have never seen so many massive um, swings in the leaderboard from like one hole to the next. And it was like that constantly the entire round. You never knew what was going to happen. And I think it's because obviously Phil was in the lead and that's just how he plays golf, which is so exciting. He is not the type of guy who is like a fairways, greens, two putt, you know, type of guy. He will hit it all over the golf course, hit these, you know, amazing shots. And you are left wondering how he just made a par or birdie from where he was at. But we'll start at uh, day one of the PGA Championship. Let's just talk about Kiowa for a little bit. I think that golf course was an incredible venue for a major. Has there been a better PGA championship? I mean, there were cool stories like when Davis love wins, um, you know, that's not something that, that gets all of national attention, but that was really cool. Cause his dad taught and you know, inspiration. And there's a rainbow. That one was good. Um, so there have been some good PGAs, um, but there's been none better than this. I mean, first of all, perhaps the PGA for being open-minded in terms of their dates. I mean, obviously it used to be in August, and then it would get kind of overlooked by, I think people would be so excited for football season to start. And there's just so much else on the calendar. So they agree, they move it to May. And now they've got this great slot where everybody's paying attention. The course was unbelievable. I mean, it's such a good course because it yields, you know, eagles. But <laughs> lurking is double bogeys and triple bogeys and worse. And it's beautiful visually. And you've got the 
wind and you've got a great champion in Rory. So this was had to be the best week for the PGA Championship. And just to address the start, I mean, I was watching, I think you were too, Phil's first drive Thursday uh, was hideous. I mean, it was like a squirty little slice ball uh, that I can certainly relate to. It was his first whole performance was so bad that on points bet his odds went from two hundred to one to four hundred to one based on one hole. And I'm the hater. What's that? <laughs> I said, and I, I'm the I'm the hater in this group. Jeez. I texted you, I think, or I texted my buddy yeah. Matt Perno, and I was like, "Did you see that?" So this yeah, guy Matt Perno, he had said before the event that he was betting on Phil, and of course, I you know I laughed as much as he could, but he did. Now, what's funny is he usually bets pretty good sums of money, but he had only $10 on Phil <laughs> to win at 200 to one. It ended up making for good social media during the event because I posted his ticket uh, when PointsBet was offering a cash out. I think it was 500, 900 at a certain point. You know, there were numbers like that. And I asked, like, what would you do? And a good number of people were like, cash that thing out. There is no way. Fortunately, he did not cash out. I put the winning ticket up yesterday. Paige, a small part of me is glad I did not wager on Phil because <laughs> I, it would have been so hard for me not to cash out. But this guy didn't. He is uh, he's a good points bet client, and he uh, he made his 2K. Yeah, I mean, the venue was perfect. It was so nice to have fans back again, just the energy. You could just feel it. It just felt normal. felt like normal life ends. I think that's also what made this major feel so much better than all the previous ones during quarantine and, you know, the the COVID era um, was the, just having those people there again, the screaming, the cheering, the yes. ups and downs, the the booing of Brooks Kepka, which was yeah. a bit odd, which we will get into. Uh, but that is what made it so, so special. Yes, Kiowa was an amazing venue, but to have people back, it felt like normal life again. It was just like such a, like a feel good time just watching, you know, just everyone just have such an enjoyable time out there and watching golf, loving golf, cheering for golf. And exactly. it just made me feel so good. Yeah, I mean, it almost made all the shit they yell after people swing tolerable. <laughs> almost. I don't even care anymore because I'm like, without having it and being so quiet, I will yeah. take anything I can get sure. because it's just so nice to have people back again. But ugh, they just yell stupid as shit. Stupid shit. Um, yeah, I feel like that was a part of why everybody was mobbing Phil and then Brooks got caught up in the wash there, obviously, at the end on the 72nd hole. I think it was a way for like people, Americans to say, okay, COVID is basically over. We're not in masks. We're outdoors. I mean, it's not exactly over, but I think that's, this is their way of like, there's just been so much pent up frustration and annoyance over the last 14, 15 months. It exploded there. So it's a combination of Phil and people just being like so happy that they could do stuff that seemed normal, you know, in the previous, uh, in the pre-COVID times. Yeah, I will say that 2021 has been a very weird year of golf. I mean, if you, I tweeted this, I said, if you told me 
that Jordan Spieth, at the beginning of 2021, if Jordan Spieth was going to get his game back and Phil Mickelson was going to win a major, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> I like never saw either of those things coming, but that's, again, what makes golf so great is that you never know when your game is going to come back or you're going to win a tournament. And this felt like an older leaderboard, like a leaderboard of 2015. You had Ricky Fowler even back in the mix. Um, you know, Jordan Spieth played okay. Boosty, Harrington. Exactly. Right. Like, it just felt like an older golf tournament, which was just so much fun to watch. And then Brooks Kepka, even. You know, I know yeah. that he plays so well in the majors, and you expect Oof. him to always contend but after his knee surgery and not playing so well this year yes he got the win at the waste management but he missed two cuts in a row coming into the pga i did not expect him to honestly play all that well he just he's it's hard to deal or swing or even focus on anything else when you're so worried about your knee or a a part of your body not being in a hundred percent condition And he even mentioned that too. And this is something I I did feel really bad about Brooks. I understand fans being for someone else. Everyone was clearly rooting for Phil Mickelson. They wanted Phil to win. I wanted Phil to win. It was just such a great story and we wanted to see it. But that doesn't mean that you have to boo Brooks and be, you know, obviously against him. And Brooks came out and he said that when the crowd was all around him on 18, that he felt like people were coming at his knee. And that is unbelievably scary. And I feel so bad for Brooks. I can't imagine the amount of panic that he had. One bump to his knee and he could be out for the longest time. And the disrespect of people towards Brooks is not okay. I can get not liking someone, but wanting to actually physically harm someone in that situation is so wrong on so many levels. Yeah. If you're a golf fan and you have to boo, the only proper time to do it is the Ryder Cup. That's it. You get one chance every two years to boo. Even then, I pro- I wouldn't, but I understand it's part of the show. If I was a European, I'd uh, definitely be booing Patrick Reed. <laughs> So um, I'd be in that, even the president's cup, I wouldn't boo because it just doesn't mean that much. Um, no, no disrespect for the president's cup. <laughs> You're getting blocked by the president's cup now. <laughs> just block page. Just block page. <laughs> let me be. All right, I um, yeah, don't boo Brooks. I mean, Brooks is an American and he's a great player. And I thought he was going to miss the cut. I mean, my two options to bet on for missed the cut this week were Brooks at plus 150 and DJ at plus 350 and DJ was the right call. And it is when you're talking about unforeseen things now, like Justin Thomas, DJ and a bunch of good players, you know, suddenly, suddenly can't play. It just goes to show you how hard it is. What's amazing too, is I felt like Brooks was a complete disaster yesterday. He still only lost by two. I mean, how many short putts did he miss? Yeah. Um, You know, he would, he put himself in terrible trouble and then was 40 yards from the green and hit it only 15 yards. And he, it just looked like he had no control of his game and he still (laughs) ended up tied for second, which is a tribute to him considering he could like, you know, wasn't walking well. So truth of it is, I mean, the security team, I mean, they really got overrun on Sunday. And I think it was Jim Nance who said it at one point, like they have lost control of the situation. And the part that I don't get is like that they just need to plan better. 
at that point, there's only one group on the golf course. Yeah. So you can bring in all your security guys from the first and ninth and fourth and 12th holes, and they should all be focused on that. I mean, you have to anticipate it a little better and, you know, you have to protect the players at that point and make sure that something terrible doesn't happen. Like Paige, I was thinking from a betting perspective, what happens if like somebody jumps on Phil Mickelson's back and then he's got like a shoulder injury and then does he have to putt out on 18? Like what happens if he can't play? What do you think? What's in the rules of golf related to that? Well, it's really scary. Especially like in this day and age, you just never know like what someone's going to do or why they're doing it. And you just don't know if I was like in a huge crowd of people, I would feel very uncomfortable that, you know, something bad could potentially happen. And they, like you're saying, they just need to prepare a little bit better for those moments. And just to make sure, I mean, it's, it's a long day. A lot of people are out in the sun. They're drinking a lot, you know, people do stupid shit when they're drunk. And even if their intentions aren't bad, like they could have, like you're saying, they could have just jumped on Phil, just to jump on Phil. They tripped him. And like, yeah, who knows? What do you think the rules of golf would say? What happens if you suffer an injury, but it's not your fault? Like what happens if you get run over by a golf cart? With one shot left in a tournament. Or like, do you remember um, when Tiger was playing in the Masters and the guy slipped and almost took him out? Like, uh, what if absolutely. that happened? You know, like that could have happened. Tiger handled that so well. I, if I'm right, I think I was on the golf course when that happened and saw it happen. And I was like, that guy is going to become the Steve Bartman of golf. <laughs> and I think everybody knows who Steve Bartman is, but he was the guy who, you know, tried to catch a foul ball against the Marlins at Wrigley Field and got completely demonized. And his life has never been the same. And I remember we asked Tiger about that after the round. And he was so classy. Uh, he just, you know, completely got, pulled the guy off the hook and it never became a thing. But at the time, right, the guy's sort of backing up and he accidentally like trips Tiger who's had 1,400 different injuries, glad that was nothing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You haven't answered my question, though. What do you think is in the rules of golf? If somebody is injured but not their fault, can they mark and come back the next day? I I honestly don't know (laughs) what the rule is for that one. And I also was confused with the rule where Phil got to take that drop after it was moved. After the ball was handled? I was confused on that rule. I didn't know that you could actually do that. I thought when someone picked it up or moved it and dropped it, that's just where the ball lies now. I didn't know you actually get to then replace it to where it was before. That is the rare time where I think I did know the proper rule and you (laughs) didn't. Um, Yeah, but it is fascinating where you're relying on just some, just some, you know, joker out there to say, Hey, where was my ball? And you couldn't exactly tell in the interaction if Bill was asking how was the lie? But yeah, if you're Phil, I mean, of course, you're going to put it in as good a lie as possible and use that as a little break. But that was a very interesting moment. It was also strange how, right, they're waste bunkers. They're not bunker bunkers. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure Patrick Reed was you know, disappointed that he couldn't <laughs> cheat like normal. That it was actually he was allowed to raise it in his back string, the back swing. I was going to ask you if Patrick Reed was in that situation where he was asking the crowd did someone pick it up? Oh, I think that golf Twitter would have been lit up calling Patrick Reed a cheater. There's no question about it. There would have been a lot of videos surfacing saying, no, no, no. His lie was only like a six out of 10. And then it was a nine out of 10. And 
that's the problem when you've got a history of, you know, fumbling these things away, you never get the benefit of the doubt. Plus, when you're popular like Phil, nobody really cares. So nobody other than us is even talking about it. But I, I do love those moments because the rules of golf are just often so strange. I and mean, we have to talk about the final round because yes. it was up and down the entire time. And I, I am going to, I have a theory and I knew Phil was going to win after he bogeyed the first hole and Phil Brooks wow. and Brooks birdied the first hole because every, all of the best rounds I've ever had, I've started with a bogey. I have never started the round with a birdie and ended up playing well. If I start with a bogey, I shoot like a career round of golf. And if I start the round with a birdie, it's over. Game over. I hope you make an eagle the first uh, <laughs> the first hole we play together, Paige, um, or else I'm going to be very concerned. But yeah, that was uh, certainly an interesting sign there. I mean, I was, I was thinking about it, and I don't know how deep you want to get into it. Like for people who are listening, who are maybe wondering, like, why is it such a big deal with Phil? Like, I was just sort of laying out, I feel like I've... People my age, at least, have had like a 30 to 35 year relationship with Phil. Yeah. And he's had so many ups and downs. Like he was he was the, the cheesy phenom coming out of Arizona <laughs> State. And then he was like the foil to Tiger. Then he was the guy who like could not win a major. Right. He didn't win his first major until he was maybe 33, something like that. Um, wins the major and wins the Masters and is like inspired by his wife, Amy, and breast cancer. So that was amazing. Then he's like the know-it-all guy mm -hmm. who's annoying a lot of people and talking about his like subcutaneous fat and seemingly has the answer and people, you know, people definitely uh, lose their patience with him. Was Phil the original Bryson? In a lot of ways, you know, I think less mathematical, but certainly more like I have the answers to everything in society yeah. and, you know, all those kind of, uh, just a total know-it-all and who likes to know it all. You know, then he became like the choker with the U.S. Open with winged foot. Um, so kind of sympathetic. Then he became like a man of the people in New York. So he'd go to winged foot and like the crowds in New York would love him, which I always thought it's like, that's cool. I mean, like he's a Southern California guy, but <laughs> you know, he would at least have like eye contact and the thumbs up yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Then he wins the British open in 2013, the open championship. So that's all good. Then he has his whole life as like a social media star where he's really funny. Then he's like the rebel at the U S open hitting the ball as it's moving. Um, and then it's like, and then it's Phil Mickelson. He's like elder statesman who's never going to win again. And we all write him off. But talk about the fountain of youth. Paige, I sent you this clip yesterday where Bill talks about like this diet and, um, you know, fasting and all this stuff he did. Like this guy at, at age 45 and 46 could have just been like, I've had a great career. Yeah. Let me just kind of enjoy it now. And instead he became like big into fitness and this coffee concoction and I got to give him all the props in the world for that. 100%. Phil can never be count out because of his game. When he hits it well, he's going to be in contention because he still hits it a very long way. He's not losing any distance. And I think that is a credit to his hard work in the gym and his diet and making swing changes that he knew he had to make to contend when it matters. Phil has one of the best short games we will ever see, maybe of all time, ever. And we'll probably, no one will have a better short game than Phil. At times, his putting, I would say, can be a little streaky. Yep. Um, he, he's almost like Jordan Spieth in a sense where he either looks like he's going to make everything or nothing. You just, yep. <laughs> you never know. I don't know how someone can look so confident and so uncomfortable over a putt at the same time. 
But with him, his game was always up and down. And that's what makes him so exciting to watch. Also very stressful for a final round of a major with a one-shot lead. And there were two-shot swings on majority of the holes. Like There was never a time where you could just sit back and enjoy Phil winning. Because yeah. he didn't know what was going to happen. And when he, you know, he got it up to a five-shot lead on Sunday, he fell apart a little bit. Yeah. And then he got up to a five-shot lead on Sunday, hits in the water. Yep. And it was just constantly like up and down, going back and forth. And the hole out from the bunker, the you know, amazing short game shots, the the putts that he had to make, the the stress. Every single time he was on the tee, I was like gripping my couch and being like where is this going to go because you just you never know yeah but again that's why he's so much fun to watch and i think that's why he is like the man of the people because his game is so relatable to all of us yes it's 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 like i understand you know missing fairways or hitting in the shit and having to get up and down and making those putts and it's just so exciting I've, i've never seen a major where it, it was that back and forth and you just never know what's going to happen until he finally won on the 72nd hole. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason why people like you and me who like study the game and analyze <laughs> it thought he had no chance. I mean, two big reasons. One, he had talked about like mental fatigue and about how, as he's gotten older, it's just like harder to keep your focus. So even when he gets off to you know, he scores well, uh, well, starts at 70 and then 69 and 70. Like, I was so skeptical that he was going to be able to keep it together because he specifically said that part was hard. Also, he is a high ball hitter. So nobody thought in these winds that come off the water, come off the ocean, that he was going to be able to handle it. And when he had that totally abbreviated finish <laughs> and he hooked that ball, you know, into the water on, um, is that 12 or is it, you know, so I, that was more concerning because we thought he was going to need those sort of sawed off shots. Yeah. Um, I've always liked Phil because he's, he's so opinionated, you know, like you, I like opinionated people. That's why he should certainly unblock you and respect <laughs> you. I was covering a BMW championship one time at Cog Hill and Reese Jones had redone the course and Phil hates Reese Jones courses in part because like a lot of them were U S open courses. And again, he has like that beef with the USGA And I saw Phil do something I'd never seen before. Like a lot of these new greens, like they had ridges. So Phil was maybe 30 feet on the green. And instead of putting it, he chipped it from the green because that was his way of protesting and saying like, these greens are bullshit. I am going to go ahead and chip this ball instead of putting it 30 feet. And I always, you know, respected his individuality uh, on that, certainly. I mean, it's funny because I feel like you look on Twitter and everyone's like, never count Phil out. Like we love Phil. No one thought Phil was going to win. No, one. <laughs> no one was talking about Phil. No one was mentioning Phil. No one thought he was going to win this tournament. I, I don't even think coming into Sunday, a lot of people thought he was going to get it done. There was always just a little bit of doubt. So let's compare Phil's win compared to Tiger's 2019 Masters yeah, win. Yeah, um, Which one was better? Which one was more meaningful? And I don't think one is better than the other. I think both of them are both amazing in their own right. But I feel with yeah. Tiger, there was more confidence around Tiger to get it done because it's Tiger Woods. But with Phil, I do think there was kind of that doubt, like, 
is he going to get it done? Is he going to pull, you know, the same kind of movie did at Wingfoot? You just, you never know. But in Tiger's career, he never really did that where he just fully like kind of collapsed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Tiger is much less dramatic. I mean, what's crazy about like that final round of Tiger at the Masters is that there really weren't very memorable sh- shots. He just played it smart. He played it safe. He got on the green at number 12. He just played so solidly and basically let everybody else fall by the wayside. Yeah. Um, I mean, totally different viewing experiences for me. If you want to hear about this quickly, like at the masters, I was there um, covering the event. The cool part about that day was they had bad weather coming in late in the day. So they shifted everything earlier. They actually went off in threesomes, which they never would have done on Sunday. That turned out to be a huge advantage for tiger because he was able to intimidate two players (laughs) rather than one. And he was able to see, two shots often before he hit. Um, The thing with Phil yesterday was I was flying back from New York and, you know, I was like, God, am I going to be able to watch this on the flight? I'm going to order the Wi-Fi. I'm going to see if it works. Like it didn't work. So Phil was done with like the eighth hole when we left New York. And then I was in this just debate during the flight. Like, am I going to try to watch this in the cab when I get home? Or am I going to go into media blackout mode? And then, you know, our boss, Len, was texting some stuff when I landed. But I decided to go into complete blackout mode. And fortunately, I was traveling with my wife. So she was able to order the Uber on her phone. (laughs) And I was able to get home and enjoy it um, on the DVR because I knew it was going to be something that was totally memorable. So it was different for me because I wasn't watching it live. But clearly, this round had so much more drama than Tigers did. Do you agree? A hundred percent. It was literally up and down the entire time. You never knew what was going to happen. Like I was saying, when um, Brooks made a birdie, Phil would make a bogey. When Phil made a birdie, Brooks was making a bogey. It was just crazy to see it the back and forth the entire time, the amazing shots they were hitting, the missed shots. And then Brooks coming back too, a little bit. Like you said, he was out of it pretty much the entire time. And then all of a sudden, he was kind of in the mix and it was like, if he makes a birdie here, you know, it could only be a one shot lead or they could be pretty close and fail with a one shot lead going into 18. You know, you still have to execute every single shot. It's difficult. It's very, very hard to do. And um, like you said, there's just something with Phil and majors that, you know, sometimes you, there's just a little tension there between them. And just, a just, a li- just a little. And I'm sure that jumped in his mind too. I, I can't oh. imagine that, you know, that was out of his mind. And especially like when he was talking about the concentration, nothing is harder on someone than a major. And especially a major on a very difficult golf course yes. with difficult conditions, especially yes. wind. Playing in wind is oh. the most mentally exhausting thing you could ever do when it comes to golf. It's the hardest weather condition to play in because the wind is constantly swirling. You're having to work on your numbers. It's a lot of guessing. By the end of playing in rounds and wind, I was done, completely done so. And so for Phil to be that sharp through yeah. all four rounds of golf and to never let down, and even when he did have a bad shower, when he hit in the water, he looked confident. You could tell that he was from start to finish. He had a game plan. He was sticking to his game plan. He never changed it. And I think that's something that Phil tends to not do a lot. He tends to hit these crazy shots or go for things. And I think part of that could potentially just be a lack of concentration. He's been doing this for such a long time that he almost needs to hit those shots to 
keep himself interested in playing because again, it's like, can you imagine year after year playing this many tournaments, so many rounds of golf? Like, I think he does it because it's fun for him. Like he loves seeing what he can pull off. And he never took that risk, that risk this final round, which was so smart for him to do. I think a lot of the credit goes to his brother who was on his bag. I feel like he um, can talk to Phil on a, you know, a very personal level. They know each other probably better than anyone else. And I feel like Phil definitely listens to Tim and they have a very good relationship. And I think Tim, he should get a ton of credit for this major win because they were a dynamic duo on Sunday and they got it done. And that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, Bones Mackay is previous caddy. I I don't know if there actually, there is a caddy hall of fame because I think I went to something with the Murray brothers, but I digress. Bones would absolutely be in that caddy hall of fame. He's one of the best. Um, We hear him now uh, providing commentary on NBC, I believe. And he is, uh, he's wonderful. But this is also what makes this win so monumental for Phil. Like it was, it was a bit of a bummer that like Amy and the kids weren't there, right? They I, were I didn't not see there. Him. No, yeah, they were not there. So, I mean, that would have made it even better, and that what that's what made Tigers win at the Masters. Obviously, you know that was beyond the cherry on top. Yeah, I mean, to see him with and, his exactly, yeah. to see him with uh, with Charlie and all that. Um, but. So Phil didn't have his family, didn't have his, you know, Amy and the kids there, but he did have Tim there. And this is the first major victory for the Mickelson brothers together. So can you imagine like the rest of their lives at Thanksgiving or whenever they get together, Christmas or whatnot, like they're going to be talking about this. They have this bond. Phil was able to win one without bones when he was, uh, you know, a 400 to one shot. And yeah, as you mentioned, he was still a seven to one shot after the first hole on Sunday. So there was still you know, rampant skepticism, um, outside and, and look at, yeah, he had a two shot lead on 18 yesterday. Right. I mean, he had a two shot lead at Wingfoot at the U S open. So that is what made it so cool knowing that at any moment things could go horribly wrong. And then the fact that they didn't made it, uh, made for such a satisfying ending. Moving forward for Phil's career, one, I wish that he didn't take the USGA's invitation exactly. to the US Open because exactly. that would have been just a massive fuck you to them by winning the PGA Championship and, you know, being able to now play in the US Open on his own merit, which would have been awesome. But moving forward, does Phil contend now? Is is Phil in the mix or was this, you know, more of like a farewell win compared to igniting a new fire under Phil? I mean, can you imagine if he wins at Torrey Pines? So just to set it up for people who are not the biggest golf fans, Phil has won every major except the U.S. Open. He's finished in second place. Is it six times? It's like an incredible number. And he's not won the Open, and he has a lot of resentment toward the USGA. So Paige and I were in uh, you know, in agreement on this one that he should not have accepted this free pass. And it turned out we were right. Because we knew he was going to win the PGA Championship. See, we're so smart. Obviously. <laughs> Come on, Phil. It would have been like totally on Phil Brand to say, thank you, USGA. But I, if I'm going to play at my home course, Torrey Pines, I am going to earn it. And then to go out as a 200 to one to earn it, that would have been just beyond legendary. But it's a great question now, and it's a question that we're all wondering and nobody has an answer to. He's actually supposedly playing this week at Colonial in the Charles Schwab Cup, which is interesting to play 
you know, a week after. It'll be fascinating to see if he can somehow, you know, put it together. You can only imagine what's going on in his world uh, in these days. But yeah, I mean, it just brings the U.S. Open uh, into even more focus. He will be the sentimental favorite times 100. I don't even know who's second. Every single person there on that property will be pulling for Phil. Maybe that'll help him. Maybe as a, you know, as a 50-year-old man, as a sentimental guy, he's going to get even more of a boost from the fans. I mean, if Phil is going to win a U.S. Open, it's going to be at Torrey Pines. I even think that that golf course fits his game really well, too. It sets up perfectly for him. Can you imagine back-to-back major winners is Phil Mickelson at age 50? Like, what the fuck? Like, honestly, what in the actual fuck? That would be... What in the actual fuck? Incredible. It would be incredible. My only goal is just to be unblocked by that time so I can yeah. tag him when he wins. Uh, but no, I, I mean, he's 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 so much fun. And even his post-round interviews, they were funny. They were smart. He was, asked, he was answering the questions. You, know, you look at someone like a Dustin Johnson, who is endearing in his uh. own way, in a sense, <laughs> because when he answers the questions, they were just like one word. They're a bit funny in a way like that's like his thing. But it's nice to listen to players like a Jordan Spieth, like a Phil Mickelson, exactly. who actually take the time and are thoughtful with their answers. And it means so much. And and he didn't stop towards the 50th interview that he did. We I was watching one <laughs> on the Golf Channel. It was very late at night. And he was still answering those questions with humor. He was, yes. you know, um, kind with his time. He, it was, he's just, he's good. He's just good for the game. And when he plays well and he's in the mix, it's good. I still, I'm standing by what I said, though. I need to see him in the booth at some point because I think he is going to be a rock star commentator. And I need to have Phil commentating at some point in my life like that has to happen. I wish it was happening now, but I, w- I will wait to <laughs> yes. see him win more majors. <laughs> I think his price tag just jumped another 30 to 40% <laughs> with that win uh, with his sixth major. And it's true. I mean, those are the guys that I pull for as a former sports writer. I love all the guys who are giving even like Brooks Kepka. It's not warm and fuzzy, but that's not what we need. We need he's honesty. Candid. And it, he's very yeah, candid. Yeah, he's very candid. He was like, yeah, it was a great, awesome event, but like, what the fuck, people? <laughs> you know, my knee is here. I'm trying to play. I'm getting swarmed. Um, so anybody who speaks their mind, who does put some thought into it, who takes some pride, who entertains, uh, you know, going to get a lot of pip points out there, a lot of player performance uh, <laughs> points for that PGA Tour, that $40 million that you are not eligible for. Um, that is part, a huge part of the appeal of Phil. It's interesting. Like for years, we haven't even gotten into this, but there were, I felt like there were Phil people and there were Tiger people. Oh yeah. It was kind of like Yankees, Mets, Cubs, White Sox, Giants, Jets. You really couldn't pull for both. And the people who liked Tiger were the ones who just like appreciated greatness and didn't care if he didn't give an interview all year. You know, they were just like, wow, this guy's awesome. He looks the part, he plays the part. And then there are other people more like Phil, who a soft spot for the, you know, sometimes like the tragic heroes, sometimes, right, the guy who can't win a U.S. Open, but then it means so much more when they do. I grew up in a Tiger household. Like, we were Tiger fans. We always yep. we would always root for Tiger. It's not that we ever really had anything against Phil, but, you know, I didn't grow, we didn't grow up thinking, like, Phil was our favorite player. Tiger was our favorite player. But I think that changed over time where 
it started to become a Phil household where, you know, my parents really started to love Phil. And because of like, I think the, the changes in his career and his personality. And I loved when he started to do social media and show more of that side of himself, because I don't think you're like, you're saying, I think that sometimes he can come off as a bit of a know-it-all, but I think it's part of just his personality. And I don't think sometimes he means it in a way that is like harmful. I think he's trying to be like sarcastic or funny. And he is like, he is funny. Even if it's dad jokes, like he is funny. Like I like listening to Phil. I think he's always entertaining regardless if you like him or not. He's entertaining. And he just does it how he wants to do it. I mean, yeah. do the like Frank Sinatra soundtrack right now. He did it his way. I mean, I was covering the U S open. I'm almost sure it was the one at Marion and Phil flies back from Philadelphia to California on like Tuesday, because I think it was Amanda was in a play and yeah. didn't want to miss the play. And then, it's the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills up in Wisconsin, and Phil decides he's not even going to play in the U.S. Open, <laughs> the event that would round out his lifetime achievement in terms of uh, you know a Grand Slam. And I think it was Amanda's graduation at that point. And we were just like, I can't believe it. Because actually, that course, too, that Aaron Hills would have suited him well um, because it was a bomber's course. And clearly, this man is a bomber. So he's never really listened to other people. He's always done it his way. But now that I'm thinking about why he blocked you, you go back five or six podcasts. I think we were talking about the team event in New Orleans at Zurich, and we were debating who we would take. And you said you would take Tiger. And I said I would take Phil. Did you mock my selection? I think you might have. I said I wanted to win. So, yeah. Yes. That's why I was blocked. That's why I was blocked. You called Phil a loser. (laughs) I didn't call Phil a loser. (laughs) Phil, I'm sorry. Be my friend. (laughs) That's like, that's hard. Okay, so let's say, let's say Phil blocked me because of that. I could talk for hours and hours and hours about how great Phil is, but I could get blocked for like one off off the cuff comment. How unfair is that? Oh, life is unfair, Paige. If you want, oh, I mean, it's, the, it's the worst. It's the worst dad line of all time. But they say, like, if you want fair, drive down to the state fair. Um, yeah, life is not fair, but this one is puzzling. It, it at least begs um, some examination. So, I, if you put me in charge, I am happy to lead the investigation. Uh, well, let's talk about my guy Tiger. So, do you think <laughs> that this is going to ignite a fire under Tiger Ooh. to get back into it? Because I don't feel like Tiger can have Phil one up him. They've always had that bit of a, a no question. A, you know, frenemies. Yeah, frenemies. Frenemies. That's a good way to put and it. Not, at, at a certain point, it wasn't even the front. They were just enemies. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Tiger <laughs> camp and the Phil camp. And I think, you know, Phil probably thought Tiger's an asshole because he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> and Tiger saw Phil as a phony who's always signing autographs and thumbs up and, you know, making nice with the media and sponsors. And I think Tiger couldn't conceive of somebody genuinely being that nice. So they've, they've had this relationship <laughs> for years, years, back and forth. I mean, Tiger has to win another major now, right? Like it has to happen. Wow. Like this is this is what he needed to get back and win again. I hadn't thought of it. I'm glad you brought it up, Paige. Can you imagine if this does provide a final <laughs> inspiration for Tiger? And it's true. This is kind of like two guys playing one-on-one on the basketball court. 
And all right, so Tiger is way ahead, and you know he, he's Tiger's got like you know fifteen buckets, and Phil's got five. But Phil, you know, he's like, all right, Tiger, I'll leave you with something, and he just like drains a three and walks off. So in some ways, Phil gets the last laugh. So maybe now Tiger says, yeah, this can't happen. I can't have Phil win the last major between the two of us. I have to get motivated. I got to get these legs right and uh, get on out there and, and, and start training for, I guess, 2022. I mean, we're not going to see him this year, are we? No, no. I, I'm hoping that... What Can you imagine in like 2022, 2023, that it's like Oof. Phil and Tiger contending for majors and they are like in the final group? Mm. Can you just... Oh my gosh. The golf world would just explode. Exploding. Yeah, they would exactly. break the internet. That would just be the most amazing thing, which begs the question, though, why are we not as excited about young players as we are about these older players? I mean, we are more excited about Tiger Phil than, sure. you know, any of the young players that are coming up. No one seems yeah. to have that same kind of impact. And it's not that sure. Phil was an amazing player and he has an incredible career, but it hasn't been something that I don't think it could be replicated. Again, I think it's more obviously achievable than something that Tiger has done, which is going to go down in history. But why are we not finding players that we're connecting with as much as we have connected with Phil? Yeah, I mean, we think about these young guys and they have just tons of time. They have all the career in front of them. And I'm sure Colin Morikawa and Tony Finau and Ricky Fowler, like guys who I'm looking at the leaderboard who performed well, they've got decades. Like it's unlike Anthony Kim, who was just amazing and made a million birdies at the Masters and then you never hear from again. So I think we... Those guys we know will be watching for decades. But with Phil and Tiger, you never know when it's the last one. It's like Michael Jordan, like when is the final shot? LeBron, a little bit of that case, although he's, I think he's got a bunch of years left. Tom Brady, I guess he'll only be playing another six or seven years. But that's what's you know we're so sentimental about in sports. Like we've grown up with these guys and you never know when it's the last bit of greatness we're going to see. When I think with golf too, they can have such a longer career you know, in in certain sports, their body just can't hold up until if Michael Jordan wanted to be playing until he was 50, 60, he would be, but his body couldn't handle it. Yeah. And because it's just such a highly physical sport, same with football. That's why it's so incredible what Tom Brady is doing at his age. But with Phil and Tiger, they could be playing if they, if they're hitting it long enough, they can be playing until they're probably like 50, late 50s, I would say. No way. Yeah. Don't you think if they're hitting it long enough with like this technology and the specialists with fitness and diet, I think they could that they could probably extend their career until probably late mid to late 50s. I don't think I don't think we're going to see Phil win in a major when he's 60, but who the fuck knows? (laughs) I mean, I should not say no way because wasn't Tom Watson, was he 58 when he almost beat Stuart Sink? Pretty old. I think he was 50, he was 59 years old. See? And it's not like that guy has spent half his life in the gym. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess I shouldn't say no way. I mean, the thought I've been in the last few years that when Phil won the Open Championship in 13, that was his swan song. He shot 66 at Mirfield, and it was absolutely awesome. And that was the topper to his career. So here we are eight years later, right? And he's done it. So you're right. I should not just assume that guys get worse. I mean, 
the prevailing wisdom in golf is that like guys become worse putters because they've got all this scar tissue and you get jittery and every bad thing comes out. But this whole fountain of youth thing is uh, is pretty amazing, man. I hope it hits me one of these days. <laughs> Just trying to enjoy being young right now before my whole life goes to shit. <laughs> I don't want to get You're old. Doing okay. You're doing okay, Paige. <laughs> We're going to just wrap up with some quick hit topics um, before we end this episode. <laughs> Teddy, do you wear makeup? Because <laughs> A-Rod is putting up, putting out a makeup line for men. It got a lot of hate on social media. A lot of people were not about it. They were hating on A-Rod. They just think it's not necessary. I think it's interesting. I think that a lot of men want to look their best and sometimes they don't always know what to use. I think that a guy who utilizes sunscreen is a huge turn on. A lot of guys don't even know what sunscreen is or how to apply it. Seriously? (laughs) They're like adverse to like sunscreen. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's like, come on, guys, just put some sunscreen on. Your skin's going to look so much better. You don't want to have like those wrinkles or like sunspots or like you don't want to get sun cancer. Like just put some put some sunscreen on or like a a good Mm -hmm. face wash or a moisturizer. Guys think that like all of that's like makeup and it's not makeup. (laughs) It's just like skincare and taking care of your skin. But, you know, I, I think. Guys could use a little powder sometimes. I mean, they're a little shiny. Mm. If they're breaking out a little bit, you know, if they wanted to go to like an important meeting or a date, yeah. just, a, just a little cover up. Totally fine. I am for yeah, makeup. How about they're on air? <laughs> on air, like on movies, like guys on movie sets are wearing makeup. Guys on air sure. are wearing makeup. It's not a bad thing. I don't think guys need to be like so freaked out about makeup. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's fine. So make you look better just a little bit. You don't have to like beat your face and like do like a whole face of makeup. It's just, you just do like a little bit, like a little here and there. So I have some thoughts here. I mean, first of all, in terms of sunscreen, I do hate the whole put it on your hands and apply it. I'm not that guy. I am just a spray. I close my eyes. (laughs) I do some of this because I hate to have it on my hands. So I'm a little bit like that. Not a fan. Um, let's see. So last week I went to the dermatologist and I had like a little something on my forehead and I'm like, is doc, is this anything? And he's like, no, but we could just like blast it off if you want. Uh, so I said, absolutely go ahead and do it. And then like, as he was doing it, I'm like, is this going to like leave a mark for a few days? And he's like, yeah, just a few days. You'll be fine. I'm like, all right, no big deal. I didn't realize I was actually doing content the next day <laughs> with you. That was Thursday. And then um, I took a picture of myself today and sent it to you because I was wondering, I should put a little something on there. And I did. So I think my wife, Nori, did a nice job because you can't see, but you saw the before picture. It was, um, it was pretty raw. It was pretty red. So I am not, you know, like a member of the band Kiss. I am not a, a big makeup guy. I am not like violently opposed. Um, you know, the only thing I do with my hair, uh, there is like, there are these shampoos now where you put a little shampoo in and the grays kind of become closer to what your natural color was. So like last week, my nine-year-old actually says to me, she goes, daddy, when you were younger, did you have brown hair? <laughs> Thanks, Emmy. That's 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 really sweet of you. And in fact, I did. But like compared to Instagram photos, I can look at like from 2018 to 2019. I was actually much more gray. So uh, I try not to be vain. I certainly don't do much. I think one time you saw me, 
like attempting to clean my face. And I didn't even know how to do it because <laughs> I don't even like do anything at night before I go to bed. Like it takes me probably 10 to 12 minutes to get ready to go on air in the morning. So not elaborate, but I'm not violently opposed. I don't know. I just think that if you want to make yourself feel better or more confident and makeup will do that for you, then I don't think there is a problem for that. You know, I think guys make fun of women because they think makeup is like a disguise and they look like two different people, (laughs) which if you're using makeup right, you're just enhancing your features. You're not changing your features. But with guys, it's the same way. Like they'll grow facial facial hair or they'll do the hat and sunglass thing. Like a guy wearing a hat is just as bad as a girl wearing like a full face of makeup. A guy can take their hat off and look like a completely different person. Oh, you mean the ones who are actually bald and are using it as like a disguise? They just look different. Like changes like the way their face shape is. It's just like when guys wear hats, it completely changes their face. You mean, I'm sorry, just to, just to clarify, you know what I mean? Like on the golf course, you mean if like they're going out at night, Anytime, anytime a guy wears a hat, like Jordan, okay, Jordan Spieth with a hat, Jordan Spieth without a hat. But he looks much better with a hat. So why wouldn't he wear a hat? That's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying. So if a girl looks better with makeup, why would she not wear makeup? I'm pro makeup. You are like, are you trying to tell me Stuart Singh shouldn't wear a hat? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying there are things that people do to make themselves feel better and they feel more confident with wearing certain things, wearing a hat, not wearing a hat, wearing glasses, not wearing glasses, wearing makeup, not wearing makeup. So I don't think A-Rod should be getting shit on this one. If he wants to do something to make other men feel better about themselves, then more power to A-Rod. Yeah. I mean, A-Rod is like the vainest human being alive. (laughs) He's the guy who kisses himself in the mirror. Like whatever he does, we're going to make fun of. Um, I'm a Coldplay fan, but if he's going to play Coldplay, you know, on a a reel or Instagram story or whatever that was, I'm even going to make fun of him. I just want to get blocked by A-Rod. Okay. We don't want to cross that bridge too. I'm already blocked by Phil Mickelson. I don't need A-Rod. Well, that'd be a badge of honor. I think if you got blocked by A-Rod. By the way, another golfer who looks way better with a hat on, I believe is Tiger Woods. Would you agree with me there? Yeah. 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 It's kind of in the session does. back there. Exactly. I would say JT does too. Justin Thomas. Um, interesting. I wouldn't have Brooks, said him so much. Brooks Kepka. Yeah. I'm used to Brooks. I like the single swoosh. What do you think of Phil's sunglasses? I like it. I think it makes them look a little bit younger and cooler. Yeah. I yeah. don't like Ricky's sunglasses though. I don't think they make him look cooler. I feel yeah. like Ricky needs to elevate his fashion game a little bit now that he's getting a little bit older. And yeah. he has this position of influence and power in the golf world. And he wear he's wearing the same outfits that he was wearing, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah, that's interesting. And I would love to see him do something a little bit different, make his own line. Um, I loved when he was doing those the button-ups, the untucked button-ups. Those were cool. Um, but I think he needs to like be a little bit more progressive and try different things and do new trends. And if even if people hate them, like I just wish he would push the boundaries a little bit more with his fashion. We were when I was running through my, you know, lives of Phil dissertation i forgot when he came back to the golf course wearing a button down oh yeah the whole uh mizzen and main <laughs> button down so those are actually very comfortable by the oh, way and we and i and i forgot to mention the phil dance the mizzen and main that was yes. that was yeah that was i feel like was that Classics. his transition into, into social media where he started that was like, like the first ball? that was the start of it where people were like yeah. oh this is a little different but we love it um again another nice thing i've said about phil rack that up on the tally (laughs) 
Another thing before we wrap this episode up, yeah. I was mentioned in a rap song. Oh god. Well, if you want to call it a rap song, it was basically just garbage. But um my name was dropped. It was the first time I was ever mentioned in a song. I am not going to mention the song's name. I am not going to mention who the guys are because I don't want to give them free clout. Yeah. They called me out. It was a Bryson DeChambeau pro rap song. So basically they just talked about how much they love Bryson DeChambeau. And they the the chorus is like Paige Spranick, she don't know Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was, was that a bad. lyrical genius, guys. They yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. just knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was literally a hate crime for your ears. It was one of the worst songs I have ever heard in my entire life. It was cringy. It was terrible. And I feel bad for Bryson. If Bryson didn't sign off on this and he just got it, it made Bryson look worse because yeah. the song was so bad. And I feel bad for Bryson. I am sorry, yeah. Bryson. That was not a good look. A hate crime for the ears is one of the best lines. That probably has to be... I was going to say that should be the title of this podcast, but we probably wanted to be happier Phil Mickelson or, you know, the fact that Phil blocked you. So we'll let Tim come up with that one. I feel like, yeah, Eminem is the only white guy who's allowed to rap. I, other than that, especially if you're wearing golf clothes, I mean, would you just stop? I mean, that song got just crushed on Twitter yesterday. Oh, um, it's bad. Yeah, it's I, I'm not going to mention cringy. the guys either. I don't remember the guy's name, but. You know, I think um, it's that one where you can take it as um, take it as a compliment that you were mentioned in or you'd rather not even be associated with such a bad song. I don't want to be associated with a bad song. I was also a little pissed off because I do know one of the guys who was in the the video and uh, I considered him also a friend, a social media friend. And he is, you know, said supportive things of me to my face. And I just wish he gave me a heads up about it. Um, and they made it sound like he was the one who actually wrote the lyrics. So I, I wish he was like, Hey, we're writing this song. It's really stupid. We put your name in it. Like, yes. are you, are you cool with that? Whatever. That would have been nice if he did that. I'm a little yeah. peeved off that he didn't do that. Just giving me a heads up. I'm also a little irritated because everyone and their moms talks about Bryson DeChambeau in a critical yes. way. It, it's not like I am the only person out there who has ever said anything um against bryson and so that was a little frustrating too that i am now known as a bryson hater and yeah. i at times i think we do say it because we're just joking about it it's a it's a bit like it's not serious majority of the time and i have said things about him in the past but recently i have not said anything bad about bryson at all so it's a little annoying that i'm known as like the biggest Bryson hater when I really could give two shits. And I think Bryson could give two shits. Like he's not looking at me and is like, she's public enemy. Number one, I got to watch out for Paige. Like he doesn't care. He's in his mansion driving his Bentley. He's making millions and millions of dollars a year. He doesn't care what I have to say. No one cares, you know? So it's like, I, that's just annoying where well, Phil does apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's just annoying that I'm known as like the hater when I feel like I talk about him not that much considering how much other people talk about him on sure. social media and in golf Twitter. Yeah. I mean, look, they're using you and they're using your followers to get people riled up to get more attention for their song. I mean, it worked because you responded to it. Um, but in this case, perhaps it backfired because I would imagine if they took a poll, they'd be 99.9% in favor of page and 0.1% of the people who, put together that disastrous melody. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, in some ways, all publicity is good publicity, but in this way, yeah, I understand you want to be like, ew, keep me, keep me out of it. 
just because the song was so bad, like there is nothing I could say to them that is worse than the public shame of putting that song out. <laughs> it was very bad. But then this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the episode. Is it hypocritical of me to be upset that they use me right. as, in a song when I have criticized Bryson? And I, I guess you could call me a Bryson hater. So am I being too sensitive or am I, you know, being hypocritical by being upset of them mentioning my name? I shouldn't. Yeah. Like I, and I and I think my first reaction was like this rage of anger because I again knew the guy and I was like just give me a fucking heads up like just let me know and maybe if he did I would have retweeted it and I would have had fun with it That's but right. instead I was blindsided by this of my name being in a chorus of like a pro Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> rap song that it just it was just terrible but now I don't really care I I think it's funny the song was terrible so it, it got no traction. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great if it was intentionally terrible. Then I think it would have been funnier if they were trying to make like a horrible um, tribute song. Yeah. I think that's how they should have positioned it. Yeah. No, it, was, it wasn't great. It was very bad. So on that note, <laughs> we're wrapping the episode up finally. I need to go still cry and mourn over the fact that Phil hates me. Yeah, and um, no, all in all, um, it was a really exciting week of golf. Last week with the PGA, I was fun to watch it and feel like you're a part of it with all the fans there. And it was very, truly, truly special. So congrats to Phil Mickelson giving us a lot of really great content over the years. And for this podcast, I want to thank everyone for listening in and supporting me always with my opinions, whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them. Always, Teddy, thank you for coming on. You are truly the best. And I'm going to cry. So we'll see you guys at some point. Again, download download the podcast, please. Like, do something to make me feel better <laughs> about this. Give me five stars. Write a nice review. Like, feel bad for the fact that Phil Mickelson blocked me. So because of that, go wherever you find your podcast. Download the podcast. Share with your friends. Leave five stars. Leave a nice review. Send me a nice message. I need it right now in my time of despair. We love you guys and uh, catch you guys soon. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. 
Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.